is confirmed in what Kiara read from Psalm 27, that as we meditate on Jesus, He's giving us boldness to take new land. That as we meditate on Jesus, and I love that, that it's just like, there's a sense in which it's fundamentally just saying, like, we're dependent on Jesus for anything to happen. And so think about that. Meditating on Jesus, like, say, well, what do I do to take land? Like, what do I need to, don't I need to strive or pick myself up on my bootstraps? Or It's like, no, meditate on Jesus. <laughs> Be dependent as you're, get in touch with your need. Get in touch with your dependence. That which you need most and that which satisfies that need. You know, and that comes from meditation on Jesus and His Word. And uh, that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today, too, um, incidentally. Um, probably not coincidentally. But, um, you know, we're talking in a series about unbelievers. Um, and last week, if you were here, if you recall, uh, or if you were up at the Crestmont campus, Brooke and Joel talked respectively about uh, persons of peace and a very practical kind of training sermon on how do I identify um, someone who is drawn to the light of Jesus or getting in touch with their brokenness or however you want to put it, they're, they're um, recognizing their need. They're seeing something different in you and identifying with that. And so um, we're going to pick up there in this passage from Mark 2. It's three short verses and uh, it's a picture of Jesus operating in this. And so I'm going to read aloud um, here. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, did Jesus only come to those who recognize their need? Did He only come for those who would recognize their need like on their own? No, right? Like it said, John says in 1 John 2 that Jesus came to atone for the sins of everybody. All people, right? And so the difference is between these two groups is that there are those who spiritually perceive or those who at the revelation of Jesus realize their need versus those who don't. It's not that they don't just that they don't realize their need. It's that these things are spiritually perceived. In other words, that they have to see, have a revelation of the person of Jesus in order to get in touch with their need and, like I said before, their longest desires. Um, and so, uh, but these, these Pharisees do not spiritually perceive. And so, um, they view themselves as fundamentally different from these tax collectors and sinners and Jesus' disciples. And so, this is why they question and they make a separation between them. They're really out of touch spiritually or with reality about the fact that at their core, they have a lot more in common with these tax collectors and sinners than they realize. And so, 
These religious leaders have excommunicated tax collectors and sinners, but this is who Jesus came for. Those who religion and even society have rejected. And what Jesus says in this passage is why we say in our unbelievers, if you could put this up, Rashad, our value of unbelievers. God's posture towards our unbelieving neighbors is love and compassion. Every person has participated in rebellion against God. Can you go? I'm like right in the middle of this screen, huh? Yes. Is that okay? If I just kind of do that. I'm in your way now. I probably can't do this for everybody. <laughs> With the screen being here and me being over six feet tall. Um, God's posture toward our unbelieving neighbors is love and compassion. Every person has participated in rebellion against God. And our spiritual enemy has inflicted spiritual blindness on us all. His love goes first in seeking us and drawing us back to himself. Jesus' death on the cross atoned for our sin so we can be restored to friendship with God. Jesus' priority was seeking the lost. So ours is as well. In our structures and strategies, we without hesitation prioritize the lost over the found, the sick over the well. We go to where they are rather than expecting them to be attracted to us. I remember our leadership team over a decade ago. Um, Dad, you may remember this. We were uh, watching a video by the Alliance on um, a woman in Cambodia. And Cambodia was just being war-torn at that time. And this woman was a young girl at the time. And her she fled from uh, Cambodia with her family. Don't remember where she went, but uh, she was angry hateful, unbelieving in God, very resentful about her life because she was hungry, she was destitute, she was on the run. Like, I might be too, right? Like, I might feel that way about my life too. And so, but God, in the power of His love, comes and meets this woman um, and she comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And He starts to change her life around, to reorient her heart. And um, to make her new in the spirit of her mind. And so she then goes, gets called back to her homeland of Cambodia. And she goes back there. And now thousands of people have been saved through this seed planted first in the heart of this woman. Um, I think as an adolescent. So she gives her testimony as an adult. But, and so she gives this testimony from Cambodia. She's there ministering to her people. And... Uh, I just wept. The Lord just hit the room with just this intercession and compassion for the lost. And it was one of the first times I remember that happening in, the, in uh, us as leaders in that way. And I remember, um, I just remember us starting to have this heart cry, Lord, give us the people who nobody else wants. You'll hear us say that that's kind of, that language has kind of made its way into our church family <coughs> culture here some, but give us the people who nobody else wants. And admittedly, you know, there was a kind of condescending down toward and an out of touch with uh, patronizing in that prayer. Um, I, I can confess, at least for myself, you know, this is like, this implies that we're the people who people do want. Or that there's fundamentally, there's fundamentally, and this is deep though, it's fundamentally a difference between me and them. Those who society deems as undesirable. And as the Lord put us deeper in mission and deeper in prayer, you know what He got us in touch with first? Our own brokenness. And that our core, we are the same as those 
who nobody else wants. And as we got into relationship and mutuality with them, and then began to share the gospel with them, and have the gospel in common with them as they came to faith in Jesus Christ, then we realized we were most like them. And you know the irony, the kingdom irony of that? Was that those who were still sleeping in Christ's church, that the religious folks who I used to associate with in one way, I became pretty unattractive to all of a sudden. Now I was over here as those who nobody else wants. It's a fascinating kingdom irony and and one that is painful. And then you have to walk through your own stuff and relationship there, right? And so, but what's interesting about that is then in turn, you have to be careful because here's the warning in it. Now I can become religious toward the religious. I can become judgmental toward the religious who are being judgy. I can stop praying at any time and start to get see that separation creep in, that drift creep in again. So hold on, right? Like It's not like, oh, now I arrived. I, I, I figured it out. I learned what this gospel thing means and now I have all this spiritual understanding and there's, there's no more warning and I've arrived at spiritual understanding or knowledge. I'm, I'm at this. No. We have to be vigilant. We have to be vigilant in posturing our hearts toward Jesus to continue to grow in true spirituality. Right? So that we can love our enemies. Those who say, why is dude eating with tax collectors and sinners? You know, Mike, uh, my friend Mike, <clears throat> who was a mentor to me in prayer, he took a church in New York City. And he said, um, when he took this church, his friend came to visit uh, early on. And he was like, dude, your church, this church is so lame. <laughs> it's dead. Like, there's nothing going on here. Why did you take this church? And so, years later, this, years later, this friend, you know, Mike would probably say, like, you know, there's a sense in which that was true at the time. Um, but you'll hear his heart in this as I finish sharing. But um, he said, uh, you know, his friend came back years later, and he was like, Mike, your church is so cool. And he was like, you idiot. They're not cool. They're loved. And he said that the brokenness that he got in touch with at the revelation of Christ in his own life, Mike that is, was the, and then the need that was met by Jesus, by the transformative power of the gospel. When that took root in him and led him to that church, that was the why, right? That's why he went there. Then he was able to steward that same grace of love and create a beloved community by the power of the Holy Spirit to cooperate. The Lord does it, right? But then we just cooperate. We just say yes. Mike just said yes. And he cooperated with the power of the Spirit and saw beloved community. Guys, that's our inheritance, right? And we come in contact with this through the love, the grace of Jesus. And God's goal for humanity, His goal for humanity is to be conformed to His image. And we are conformed to His image by beholding Him. In a sentence, this is what I would call calling formation, to become like Jesus by beholding Him. And you might say, well, what does this have to do with like, reaching unbelievers? 
What does this have to do with having people at my house and doing what Jesus did like at Levi's place and being with the disenfranchised? And I would say it has everything to do with it as step number one. Because if we're going to reach people with the gospel, it's got to be at work in our own hearts. It's got to be taking root in, this, in good soil of the heart, right? And so my main point today is that the revelation of Jesus, we realize our need, solution, and a call to kingdom action. At the revelation of Jesus um, are found divine solutions to our every other need, like salvation, forgiveness, healing, deliverance, the filling of the Holy Spirit. So if calling formation was like a river, if you can go to this next slide, Rashad. If it was like a river, oh, well, I'm not there yet, sorry. There we go. Then these are like the tributaries of the streams of that river. It's like forgiveness, healing, deliverance, salvation, the filling of the Spirit. This is all the work of calling formation. And so um, one example of this is first we get in touch with our need. I keep saying that we get in touch with our need, our own brokenness at the revelation of Jesus. What happened with Isaiah when he went in, when he saw a vision of God's glory, he said, woe to me. I cried, I'm a ruin for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king the Lord Almighty. And so the passage goes on, right? That, I don't know if it was a cherubim or a seraphim or an angel, I don't remember what it was, but it comes down and it touches his lips with a coal to restore him. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then there's a remedy for it, right? God touches his lips. God has, he sends his messenger, his flame of, this messenger flame of fire to come and touch his lips and restore him in that place. But first he had to get in touch to confess, to agree with... I am utterly undone before the Lord. And this is a prophet of the Lord. I thought I knew you until I saw you (laughs) and realized you're wholly other and I'm unclean and my people are unclean. But also this revelation through the help of the Holy Spirit, we see the beauty of Jesus. And the Bible talks about our transformation, right? And that word means to be transformed by being with it. That that we are transformed from glory to glory as we behold His beauty. Have you ever thought about those who see Him fully, those who know Him fully and are most like Him than they'll ever be? What do they do? Day and night. They never stop worshiping Him. They, they're, those cherubim and seraphim have eyes all over them, right? They can see like really good, crazy good. <laughs> And they just keep worshiping Jesus because they see Jesus. (laughs) It's like, do we, you know, it's like what part of our hearts are hardened or at least are like asleep or what? And the evidence of that is like, where's their lack of worship or gratitude or, you know what I mean? And Jesus doesn't condemn us for that. I always say this. I always qualify this. It's just an invitation. (laughs) Let him heal you. Forgive and confess. Whatever it is, right? It's like these are the tributaries to calling formation. When I say calling, I'm talking about like our identity in Christ. Identity formation. And so they acknowledge His worth, His beauty, His holy, His, his holiness, His goodness nonstop at this full revelation of Him. And so we can enter into that. We can worship and pray anytime we want. 
Our need for Jesus and deep transformation by Him are realities that never change this side of heaven. And so that's why prayer is so important. So if you can, if you consider, let's take that image one more step further. There's the tributaries of the things that form us into Christ's likeness, this river of calling formation. The banks of that tributary are, are posture of prayer, a posture of prayer in our acknowledgement of our need. A posture of prayer and acknowledgement. That's the context, right? How do we stay in touch with, with reality? It's through this posture of prayer and acknowledgement of our need. So the distinction between two types of people in this passage is not actually the healthy and the needy. It's those who realize they are needy through a revelation of Jesus and those who don't yet have a revelation by the Spirit of God, thereby not realizing their unhealth. Either can be true of us at any time. So we must be vigilant. God's power meets our weakness, not our strength, not our self-sufficiency. And so it's easy to get out of touch with reality on this. Normal Christianity is a lifestyle of calling formation and kingdom action. You know, after Isaiah was restored, um, Isaiah uh, was asked by the Lord, who shall I send? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. I like to call this passage a divine setup, right? It's like (laughs) God comes to him, he's irresistible, (laughs) and then he's like, of course, you're going to send me, you know? Um, And so here am I, send me. And uh, I want to share actually a few kingdom stories um, right now about kingdom action. I mentioned, we talked about calling formation so far. But it's also our purpose in Christ is for kingdom action. And this is where, um, you know, these, we, we partner with Jesus um, in this work of seeing calling formation in the lives of others. Um, I was in worship and prayer with some friends a few weeks ago. And uh, as we were worshiping, um, uh, they had a lot of pain in their body. And so uh, they also had um, some emotional stuff going on. And so we just asked if we could pray for them. And they said, yeah. And, um, we started praying. And all of a sudden, the Lord started bringing to mind um, this, this deep grief over losses in their life. Um, he started revealing these hard memories. And it was unexpected that this is what the direction we would go um, as we prayed for that person. And uh, all of a sudden, the Lord started bringing in through these memories a measure of grieving that hadn't been grieved, healing by way of that grieving, and then uh, the person's pain is gone in their body, <laughs> in God's presence. And so we saw emotional healing and physical healing, and um, it was a good day of seeing that calling formation take root through healing, and uh, both emotionally and physically. Uh, there was another, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in a meeting with someone, and I felt like God was saying, um, anoint them after this meeting to affirm their calling. And so I began to, I asked if I could do that, anointed them with oil, and just prayed their calling over them. And it's no surprise that the enemy was exposed through a kind of agitation in the person, because it was the very anointing on their life that the enemy was affronting all these years, through generational sin in their family line, 
that caused this confrontation in the spirit realm. And so this person was then not, not only affirmed in their calling through this exposure of the enemy, but then set free from demonic oppression through generational sin in their family line. And, um, and so again, a picture of someone being, their anointing, their calling being affirmed, that calling formation, and then may, like growing into it through freedom, through increase in freedom in their lives. Um, I'm going to share one more story of kingdom action related to calling formation. I was at a recovery center uh, this past week, and it was awesome. You talk about people, most of them are believers, and they were like deeply in touch with their need. Deeply in touch with their brokenness, and therefore ripe for the gospel. Because guys, the deeper we're in touch with our need the deeper we can experience its solution. Amen. <laughs> right? Because now we're coming and we're desperate. And we're just like, God, you've got to touch me. And, um, and he loves to do that. So, so this guy comes up to me and he says, man, like when I was on acid, he said, I would do these satanic chants. And he said, even during your sermon just now as you preached here, I was just hearing voices, leave, like leave, just leave, just run out of here. And he said, so, you know, I came to faith in Christ not long ago. He's like, he's like, and I just, these voices are constant. I know what it's tied to. He asked for forgiveness. He rejected and renounced that way of life. And the Lord set him free from several demons. And so I'm painting this picture of God's freeing power toward us walking in our calling formation. And I love what John Weber just said. And then he used my name explicitly. Like, this isn't for the Steve Rossies only. That's what this message is about, right? Because he didn't say it's for, like, this kind of person or believer. or It's for believers. He said, he said in Mark 16 that uh, believe, these signs will follow those who believe. Period. Those who believe. And so, God is not just forming us in the image of Christ. He is sending us out. But it's through being in touch with our brokenness. The start of those stories is not me ministering. The start of those stories, I'm reminded of Psalm 24, Rashad, if you can go there. Where the psalmist says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. I love how God is proud of His son Jacob, whose name means to cheat, <laughs> to lie. He says, my son, the God of Jacob, this generation who seeks my face, right? I will transform their rebellious hearts. And he made his name Israel, right? <laughs> he made his name. He gave him a new name. That's a prophetic picture for us, right? It's not just Jacob's story. It's a prophetic picture for all of our stories of God. So the reason I use this verse, I just feel like the Lord would have me to use this verse to say, who has clean hands and a pure heart? It's those to whom God's Jesus' blood has been applied and His Word has washed and who has come to, into contact with that gospel. 
that has inbirth faith to do the works of Jesus, right? Who has gotten in touch with and been healed of their own issues and been delivered and is still in the process of my own calling formation, by the way, right? There's still probably blind spots. There's still probably, you know, things that God wants to do, but he's saying, no, I've said you have clean hands and a pure heart because it's by my blood. It wasn't by your filthy rags that you call righteous acts, right? And so... I love this passage. He said, this is the generation who seeks me. Seek me, and you'll find me. Seek me on behalf of others. Seek me on behalf of yourself. Note that all of my examples were bringing friends before the throne of grace, the riverbanks of need recognition and prayer. In becoming like Jesus, you're not just becoming who's, one who's personally pure, pure and set apart. You're becoming one who's come for the sinner and for the sick. They're inextricably linked. And God's glory in His people is so attractive to those persons of peace that they want what you have. And in Isaiah, he says it this way. He says, you, he prophesies, and I'll prophesy over us. I prophesy this verse a lot over us anyway, already. But you will call a nation that you, who you know not, and a nation who does not know you will come running to you because God's glorified you. That's uncomfortable for some people. God's glorified me. No, no, to God be all the glory. No, no, to God be all the glory. When that's not what the Lord, the Lord says, it's my glory, but I'm giving it to you. And it's for you to receive because people need me. And what I, my design in the last days is a spirit-filled church mm-hmm. to reach them. This is my design. So you've got to come to terms with it and deal with it. And let me get rid of your shame. And receive my glory that you can give it away. Like, don't flatter yourself. It's not your glory. It's not your glory. I never said it was your glory. I said, I'm giving you my glory. I'm glorifying you. Arise, shine, because I've risen upon you. Like, deal with my word. (laughs) Receive my word. And if you haven't experienced what you think an experience of this might look like, don't let your experience be your judge about what truth is. Let my word remain what's true. And live into it where you lack. One way we call a nation is prayer for others. It's missional prayer or intercession. I have a friend who I met with a couple weeks ago who just said, like, I was just weeping and weeping for my unbelieving family and friends. And he said, and I just, before I even realized it, I was just crying out over them, victory, victory, victory in the name of Jesus over them. That is a picture of missional prayer. Calling on a nation. <laughs> I'm calling on them and then I'm pleading the blood of Jesus for their lives. For them to come out of darkness and into the light. A few months ago, uh, we were praying for Ukraine. We thought that was appropriate. It was like February or March. The war broke out. And um, so we were doing that in upper room. But all of a sudden, the prayer shifted to intercession for Putin. And that God's kindness would crush him. And lead him to repentance. <laughs> and we just started to, to pray into that. But then out of that, we started to pray for revival in the Ukrainian and Russian churches. Mm-hmm. And we're just and now we're just like, 
in the Spirit together, just praying for divine solutions that would come from Spirit-empowered churches in Ukraine and in Russia who are uniquely positioned in a unique time of war. And so it's like God wants to use those people there, that church, in this time, in this hour, at a time of war, and even, of war, and even now, Lord, would revival hit those places in time of great need. Another way we call on a nation is through evangelism, right? And so, can I share with you a Friday the 13th story? <laughs> All right. Some of you weren't paying attention. Now you're like, oh. So, uh, <laughs> not two weeks ago, you probably know it was Friday the 13th. And uh, <laughs> so, it's really Friday the 13th has no significance to this, but it was on Friday the 13th. So anyway, um, <laughs> so I was, um, I was at home, and uh, I heard the phrase at two different times. It was like on Instagram, but then on a podcast, pick a fight, pick a fight. And I felt like the Lord was highlighting this phrase, pick a fight, to me. And then Roman came up to me, and he said, hey, do you know that Coco, that's what he calls my mom, um, he said, you know, uh, Coco was saying that, uh, Coco was saying that uh, you were born on Pearl Harbor, and he said on Pearl Harbor Day, uh, when the U.S. entered the war. Mm-hmm. Same day. It was like a couple hours later, when the U.S. entered the war. And it just like, it was like, pick a fight, enter a war. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's just like the Lord, just like, have you ever read scripture and, and it's just illuminated to you, this verse that you read a hundred times, but now it's like, oh my gosh, I never read that that way. You know, it was just like hitting this particular <laughs> word to me. And I was reminded in the New Living Translation, my birthday is actually in scripture. Uh, in Zechariah 7, verse 1. It says, On December 7th of the fourth year of King Darius's reign, another message came to Zechariah from the Lord. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Judge fairly and show mercy and kindness to one another. Do not oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor, and do not scheme against each other. So we see this picture of good news, of warning, of, good, of what to do, what not to do. We see this picture of good news for bad news, the gospel going forth in this passage. And um, the Lord just has this stuff in the forefront of my mind. I'm like, okay. And so, and you know, this story is unique to me in, those, in that set of circumstances, right? But it's not unique uh, to me. Because we were born into war for our souls. And we were born again into war for other souls. We were born into war for our souls, but born again into war for others' souls. And so that day, I made a phone call, thinking this is going to have nothing to do with what I'm hearing from the Lord right now about entering a war. I make a call uh, in response to an inquiry about baptism at our church. This is someone I don't know. They're not part of our church family yet. And they said, yeah, like I heard about you guys through a mutual friend. And he said, let me just tell you a little bit about my story. Um, He said... uh, when I was 11, my dad died, and he said, I was really, like, bitter and resentful toward God. Like, how can a good God take away my dad and, you know, normal feelings of, you know, hurt, and he's young, and he's processing. And, um, and he said, and then, like, I enter into this marriage, and it's just an utter wreck, and she's unfaithful to me dozens of times before it finally ends, and... And he said, and I was just so full of hate toward everybody and everything. 
And um, he said, finally, one of my friends came up to me. He said, my friend wasn't even religious. He just came up to me and was like, dude, this hate in you is killing you. And that's all he had for him. He was just like, this hate is killing you. This guy intuited, without religion, without faith, much less faith in Jesus Christ, he intuited, I need to forgive. Do you think the Spirit of God wasn't pursuing him? Do you think the Spirit of God is a respecter of someone? Like, well, you've got to come to faith first, and then I'll, I'll start to engage you. No one comes without the, the initiator, the Holy Spirit. And so this person starts asking for forgiveness. Or forgiving, rather, his, uh, forgiving his, his ex-wife, his, you know, forgiving people in his life. Um, his lens was so tainted that no one could do anything right, right? So he's forgiving people for everything. <laughs> and uh, he's sharing the story, elaborate story with me about that. And he said, and then, he said, this strange thing started to happen. My, he said, I started to bless them, too. Now, mind you, he called me about baptism, so I'm like, well, he's a person of faith, and so, because he's still telling me a story, you know, I started to bless them, too, and, um, like, I just, like, he said, my heart just, he said, and I realized, this was his phrase, he said, I realized I need religion. I need religion, like, this is good, I think this is good, like, I feel better, and that's, that's all we had, coming into our phone call. That's all he had. He didn't know his name was Jesus. He didn't know, and that was it. He came to Christ like, I don't know, what is it? Milk to a baby, I guess? He came to Christ like, it was just like, anybody, anything could have led him to Jesus in that moment. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so, like, I just said, said, I'll call him Dave, son's name. I said, Dave, I said... God is calling you into a relationship with Him. And here's how I know. I rehearsed His story to Him. (laughs) Of forgiveness. And I told Him the story of Jesus and about baptism. Like, He called about baptism. I'm like, it's an outward expression of an inward heart change. I tell Him the good news for His bad news. He's identifying where God is at work in His life already. Right? And I said, His name is Jesus. He's inviting you into a relationship with Him. And we talked about the cross. And He said, I want that for my life. It almost like he called prophetically about baptism because he just didn't know how it worked. And like, but then God led him to himself through faith in Jesus, and now he's going to get baptized. Amen. Amen. So there's a yeah salvation story. I was at Jared's gym last week, and um, this guy walks in. It was Thursday. It was a couple days ago. He walks in, and he was like, he he had a mutual friend with Jared, and he was like. Man, he was like, I just, I have to stop running from God. I have to stop running from God. And he said, I just don't, and you know, Jared was just like, let me tell you this story about my life. And he, Jared didn't know him yet either. He, we were just meeting him through this mutual friend. I just happened to be there. I wasn't even invited to the meeting. Um, <laughs> and so, and so, Jared shares a story. We lead this guy to Jesus. He's like, I want that for my life. I want Jesus. And so, praise God. Guys, I believe, I'm sharing these stories as, as encouragement to you because, again, it's for those who believe. There is an ease in ministry right now. The Lord, prophetic words have gone forth about people coming to, about people running to the glory of God. This is happening. This is happening. Believers getting set free and filled 
uh, afresh. Unbelievers coming to faith with ease of ministry. Ease of ministry has been prophesied. And I'm telling you that many people, this is, we are on the precipice of a billion soul harvest. And this billion soul harvest is coming in. And my kid's generation is going to be in full, walking in the fullness of the Lord in their 20s, in their early 30s, when this thing is just exploding across the continents. And just people are just running to Jesus in multitudes. And the, the, the God's weighty presence is going to kind of play on saying anything. God's weighty presence is coming so heavy on the earth. You know, the Bible says that the knowledge of the glory of God shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we are coming into these days of the Lord. We are coming into that word of the Lord activated in the earth. I'm a little off script. And I'm almost done. Heather, if you can come on up, I appreciate it. Well, in conclusion, Rashad, if you could put up this, I think it's the last slide. My main point is at the revelation of Jesus, we realize our need, its solution, and a call to kingdom action. I hope these stories, see, I feel like stories, testimonies of Jesus, are the best way to call us to kingdom action. Um, and so. I'm telling you, I just feel like I've just been watching God move these last three weeks and just in awe of His power and His love. Um, Calling formation is becoming like Jesus by beholding Him. We behold Him in prayer, the reading of His Word, receiving prayer from others, and a community of believers, a relationship in a community of believers. Kingdom action is ministering the kingdom of God by praying for others in evangelism. Proclaiming and demonstrating good news for people's bad news. As a community of believers, let's live a normal Christian life of calling formation in kingdom action. Amen.